You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Jumping off in hour two of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show here on WWL, AMFM.com, and the Odyssey app. 2.30 kickoff from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, LSU and Ole Miss. The Tigers trying to... Sees some momentum from last week and knocking off a ranked opponent in Florida, trying to do the same today against Ole Miss. Another ranked opponent potentially in the works for the LSU Fighting Tigers that were a little inspired last week, and I think the the inspiration came from the players perhaps knowing that Coach O's days in Baton Rouge were numbered and uh, kind of celebrating that fact. Maybe players were playing hard because – they knew that they no longer had to, or much longer had to play for Coach O if, if things had soured to the degree that reports indicated. Our Oakwood Heart Jewelers talking text lines are open at 504-260-1870. Herb, before the news, we were talking about one candidate that could be uh, in play for LSU's head coaching job at season's end is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, second-ranked Bearcats. He's a defensive guy. Nick Saban was a defensive guy. He's 48 years old, one year younger than Nick Saban when he was tapped to be the head coach at LSU. And if you're looking for, if that's the mission, you're trying to find the next Nick Saban, you got to consider the age. And I just found those two factors intriguing at the least. Herb Tyler, you there? All right, we'll get Herb on. We'll get Herb on here shortly. There we go. My bad, man. I had you muted. My bad. That's on me. (laughs) That's okay. So Luke Um, Fickle, 48 years old, defensive-oriented kind of guy, has a Bearcats program rolling pretty good, second in the country. I I just find those parallels interesting. Well, no, they're very interesting when it comes to Luke and Nick and where they are in their careers at the age that, you know, Nick was or Nick was now that – Luke is at that age. The thing is that I see that's intriguing about Luke is the fact that he's taken a program that has been, uh, uh, I guess, a program that's been not one of the best or greatest in the country, but they are there. You know what I'm saying? They're they're coming, they're becoming something that you can talk about that's going to be a household name um, week in and week out, right? And he's, you know, he's, put together a process, a plan, some some things in place that's allowing them to be the great Cincinnati college team that they can be at the present moment. The thing about Luke, for me, that's the most interesting is that he seems to really be engaged with the players that he has. He seems to really be engaged with the types of offense and defense, his game plan and schemes that he wants to run at Cincinnati, and so he goes out specifically and he looks for those guys that fit within that system. 
not just for whoever is the guy that's the best at defensive tackle, but the guy that fits the best within that system that's the best player at defensive tackle. That makes sense. And for just like for for me, you know, my daytime, and I talk about this all the time, my day job at MAP Maintenance, we look for the right people that fit for our culture of what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go and obtain the greatest of the great. But good organizations, just, I think successful organizations, Herb, have that same kind of mindset. I'm sure where you work is very successful. It has to be. It has to be. If you don't have that mindset, you can have, you know, the greatest of the great uh, BD guys, business development guys, but if they don't fit within that, that, that realm, like one of my guys, Mike Norberg, he is one of my guys. I love him to death, and he's one of the guys I really appreciate, and what he does for us is really great. The thing about him is he fits within our organization, and that's what makes him great, not just for himself but for us. So, But he can go anywhere and be great, but he fits within our organization. Now, there may be another guy that's, that could sell more or do more or whatever it is, for someone else, but they just may not be able to be the right person for us. So, you know, it's one of those things, man. And I think I've always said that you don't ever recruit, uh, uh, in my opinion. And I think this is what Saban does, even though he may lose coordinators here and there and all these different things, his offensive game plan, his defensive game plan, his schemes and what he runs schematically on those two sides of the ball, that never changes. Now it may tweak a little bit, depending upon who's the actual guy that's the quote-unquote coordinator, but they recruit the kids that play well within that particular schematic scheme and system. And that's what makes this between a Nick Saban and anybody else that loses a coach. Another coach, you know, let's say the Coach O, he loses the offensive coordinator, and he tries, or a defensive coordinator, and he tries to find the best guy to, to be a defensive coordinator that's going to fit within – you know, or just have the namesake or whatever at LSU, but not necessarily the kid that recruits, that he recruits is going to fit within that scheme. He's going to recruit the guy that's the best running back or DB or linebacker or whatever that he can get that's a four-star, five-star guy. But really, does that guy really fit in the scheme and also in the the community and the culture of that team? That's important. And that's one of the things I think Luke Fickle does very, very well as you can see, and I think all of his players have bought into what they're doing there. Um, the program has really given him every, you know, in, in every little um, possible resource that they can give him for him to be successful, and that's why he's in, I guess, the conversation at LSU. Now, look, this is the thing. It's a big deal to be in the conversation as a candidate for LSU football as a head coach. It's one of the most sought-after jobs in the country, and it's one of the greatest jobs in the country. You can get any and everything you want and need, or you can get any and everything you don't want and need, if that makes sense, if you don't do a good job. But it's one of the most sought-after jobs, and I think Lou Fickle is definitely a person that should be considered one, two, three candidate for the job. You know what drives me crazy uh, in these coaching searches, and you hear it all the time, it, it, it makes no sense to me. But, oh, Luke Fickle's a, a Midwest guy. What? Uh, he's not coming to LSU. He's a Midwest guy. Huh? Excuse me? Last I checked, is, I know what influences me to move. What would influence me to move is money. I don't care where I'm from. You want me to go live in Alaska? Okay. What's the price tag? You want me to, you, you want me to go live in Maine? 
Uh, right. All right. Sure, I'll entertain it. What's the price tag? So this whole idea, oh, his wife's a, his wife, his wife will adapt. If the money's right, you go. Period. If the money is life altering, you go. That's with any job. So when I hear that, Herbo, you know, oh, he, well, Nick Saban was a a north a northwest guy, you know, middle America, Toledo, right, Michigan right. State. I mean, I just don't buy that whole. Oh, and I don't buy the, the idea, oh, he needs to have southern ties. No, he doesn't. Can the guy coach football or not? Can the guy – and, look, the, the truth be told, Mel Tucker's another one. And, and Herb, you know, a lot of people bring it up that uh, Mr. Tate, the president of LSU, um, you know, wants a black coach. That, that's People brought that up. I, I don't think he's doing that at all. I think he's taking the approach of, hey, Scott, you're the athletic director. You hire – the guy you feel like is best qualified to lead this to championships, regardless of, of skin color. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, skin color doesn't mean anything about anything. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how many arms you got. Doesn't None of that stuff matters. You, I mean, you said the right thing. The only thing that matters is are you capable of leading this organization program to the pinnacle and the top of what we want it to be, period. doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter if you're – a manager at Burger King, or if you're, you know, if you're the, the, the CEO That'd at be the quite a promotion. That's right. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. At the end of the day, is how do you get along with the people, the community, and the culture there? Are you a strength of the culture? You know, are you taking it to unknown places that are great places? Um, can you keep the value of the culture going? Um, can you make sure you implement the processes and all these different things that come into place? in order to be successful so that, you know, it, it just runs like a weld all machine. Um, do you have the respect of the people around you and the players and the staff and the community? Do you have that? That's important. And, of course, you know, at the end of the day, the money is important, but that's probably fourth or fifth or sixth on the list at the end of the day because all of the money in the world is not going to make you happy. If you're not being fulfilled, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. Doesn't matter. I agree. You know, if you're being fulfilled and and you have all the resources you need and you're making a difference in people's lives and you are in in in, in investing in yourself and your future to be the very best you can be, and then also that trickles down to the people that's around you and surrounds you and works with you on a daily basis. That's what matters the most. The money will come, or the money will be there. We all know that if you're if you're a coach at LSU, you're going to make no less than seven point five million dollars a year, right? <laughs> that's that's what your contract is going to be. And all like at the end yeah. of the day, right? Now all the other stuff that comes along with that, as far as you know, um, different types of sponsorships and things like that, you can make more money, and all that's there is there. But that's not why you come to LSU. Not just because of the money. It, it's something that's so far greater than that, but that's any situation though. It doesn't really matter in some, in some cases, but, um, but that's how I feel about that whole deal, if you will, in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and you know, Herb, let me be clear on something. Okay. Luke Fickle's a great candidate. And so is Mel Tucker and James they Franklin, are, yeah. and, and a couple yeah. others. I mean, mm-hmm. th- th- let's be clear. Mel Tucker, <laughs> another defensive guy, right? Played defensive yeah. back. Uh, from Wisconsin, but, I mean, he's coached all over. He was at LSU as a defensive backs coach uh, with Nick Saban, coached yep. at Ohio State, coached in the NFL for a few years. 
Chicago yeah. Bears, went back to Alabama, assistant head coach and defensive backs, coached at Georgia. So he's got a lot of ties to the SEC in general, uh, and I think he would be a good hire too. I, I really, I, I'm a big Mel Tucker fan in terms of what he's been able to accomplish in terms of his resume. Now the problem is that his resume is strong, but it's short stints at each spot. That's the only issue I would take with it. Well, I mean, I guess you can look at it in that in that manner. Um, but what did he do in those short stints? You know, how how successful, successful was he? You know, and those that's the key. It, you know, and look, this is a game where you're not uh, a, a business where you're not gonna you're not gonna be there for ten years. I mean, it's very highly unlikely that you'll be at one place for five or six years in college football as a coach. It's very unlikely, and there's reasons because of that. It's not because. It's not always because you're not doing a good job. Sometimes it may be you're doing a great job and other coaches are trying to poach you poach you from that coaching staff yeah. and it may be a better yeah. situation for you. So yeah. you know, it, it's 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 look, at the end of the day, I think in that profession it's okay to have somewhat of short short stints, but what was your impact during that small amount of time where that you were there? Did you make a difference, you know? Um, were you respected? And apparently he was because every other job that he got next was not so much a lateral job or even a you know a demotion. It was always some sort of a promotion and getting something a little bit different, a little bit better. And now he's all of those little steps has gotten him to a head coach and has gotten him as a, one of the top candidates for one of the top jobs in the country. If I had to whittle it down, Herb, to two, it would be if you had a wish list, and this is in no particular order, Mel Tucker and Luke Fickle, those are the guys for me, for my money. Those two are the top two candidates. I, I agree. I don't disagree with that. I think I'm 100% on board with that. Um, you know, but it's very, very early in this search. We don't know what Scott's thinking about and where, what way he's leaning or who's But that's interested. what sports talks for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's right, that's right. But I'm just saying we don't know who's leaning. Who's leaning no, you're right. Who's, who's whispering in somebody's ear, hey, man, can you – put a bug in the sky to you that, you know, I may be interested or, you know what I'm saying? You never know, but it's interesting right sure. now that the, the candidates that's been thrown out there out of the four or five or nine or whatever it is, those two candidates are probably your top two two candidates. And in my opinion, in order, I think it's Luke Fickle and then Mel Tucker, personally. Um, I just, in my, in my opinion, I like what I see out of Cincinnati as a whole um, in, in regards to their offensive games plan um even though both coaches are defensive minded coaches um but I, so with that being said i like to see what they allow on the other side of it who whose offense is a little bit more explosive who has a little bit more creativity who you know who's got those guys that fits well within the scheme that they have and it's okay to recruit a three-star guy it's okay to recruit a two-star guy that you can hone in and kind of like what 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 Mike was talking about with Damone Clark, you know, Damone Clark has grown from, you know, a, a freshman to the guy that he is today, and that's the benefit of being there for four years. That's the benefit of learning and growing within your time as a as a college student athlete. So, um, um, I, and I think I think I would think that Luke Fickle would would do a tremendous job of that. And look, Mel Tucker would not be far behind, in my opinion. I just haven't watched enough. Michigan State football offensively, and to see exactly what they do, and if is it is it something that's going to allow us to continue to progress offensively? 
Look, we got a long way to go, but it's fun to talk about. And there's going to be a surprise right. somewhere in here. There's going to be a candidate that, you know, LSU flirts with that you go, hmm, I didn't figure him to be on the radar. We've got a lot to see shake out. We'll step away and come back. Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com will join us next. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Christian Garrick. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL, LSU and Ole Miss. 2.30 kickoff from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on the campus of Ole Miss. We'll have it here at 2.30 with the voice of the LSU Fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. In the meantime, come hang out with Herb and I, 504-260-1870. Who's going to be the next head football coach at LSU? We'll get to our calls in a minute. First, though, Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com joining us. And, and Jimmy, uh, man, I know that you and I talked quite a bit on the heels of the announcement that came last Sunday. Uh, and even prior to leading up to, this is something that you were kind of on from the jump, is this could happen, and, and it could happen at the time that you, you kind of predicted it would happen. And we thought it was a little bizarre. Sunday was a little strange. But if you give yourself a little time and step away from it and think about it, man, it makes a lot of sense. And the reason why is because you get an early head start, and I think Scott Woodward has a target. I don't know who that target is, but I think he, he has a target, just like he did with the baseball program as well. He wanted to get out in front and, and, and try to get to that target before anybody else could. you agree with that? I do. I think uh, when you look back on it, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Um, you take a lot of the pressure off of Edwards Orgeron, right? Allow him to go out and, with his legacy intact instead of, um, you know, us having the conversation of how bad is it getting at LSU? Is Ed Orgeron going to be fired? Um, he's probably going to be sent off with praise regardless of the outcome um, in, in the final game. So, uh, it does that. It allows you to really get in front of this thing, to be the, you know, USC's already in a coaching search. You know you're battling that program. And Scott Woodward likes to make big hires, so he's going to go out and try to uh, and, and try to get ahead of it and put himself in a position to, to sign who he wants. And, and then the, I think that one of the big factors here that we saw it go down the way we did on Sunday was that you you already made the decision. And if you've already made that decision, you know, stop that momentum that Ed Orgeron may be able to build that could divide this fan base, you know, if LSU were to reel off some unexpected victories down the stretch here. And so you, you put all of those things on the table, and it just makes a ton of sense looking back on it as to why they did what they did and when they did it. A lot like Les Miles when his job was in question. Uh, he was carried off the field, and Joe Oliva couldn't fire him after that one. I mean, he was carried <laughs> off the field by his players there's no way he could have done that i agree jimmy yeah i mean the momentum right. thing is a big factor too yeah i mean i don't think they're going to beat alabama but when you a few weeks ago when you looked at the schedule and you look at texas a&m and arkansas and some of these games ahead you thought you know these these probably weren't winnable games with the way lsu was playing and the way those programs were playing well lsu team seems to be taking a step forward some of those programs taking a step back those are really winnable games here. If they were to, to run off uh, three or four out of five, per se, with a loss to Alabama through the SEC, uh, that really makes it difficult for Scott Woodward uh, to make a move. And, and it became apparent after the, the firing was announced or the parting ways, however you want to dress it up, um, that Woodward had already made his decision anyway. Jimmy, you know, Herb and I were talking about, I don't know if you feel this way, but I do, 
I hate hearing, oh, he's a Midwest guy or he's a he's a West Coast yeah. guy or a Northeast guy. Who cares if he's if he's either of those? I don't care if he's if he's coming from a silo uh I mean in Siberia, if he can coach, I don't care. Yeah, I think a, a lot of schools really handcuff themselves with that um if you go look at maybe a school like miami right who always tries to hire a miami guy um you're really limiting yourself to your options and remember nick saban was a midwest guy was he not i mean so good coaches i mean football's football if you can coach the game and you're captivating and you're and you're ahead of x's and o's and schematically and if you're just one of those dudes it's going to translate i don't care if you're on the west coast the east coast canada it really doesn't matter football is football and uh and, and you really just need to go get the top candidate regardless of where he's from any short list on uh, go ahead jim i mean go ahead herb no, I was going to ask Jimmy the same thing. Who's the guys on your short list right now, Jimmy? And if you can name those guys, how about throw out another surprise name out there that nobody's thinking about as well that could be someone? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think when it all comes down to I think it's going to be possibly James Franklin or Luke Pickle. I think these are the two names to me that seem to be uh, captivating and capturing the attention of a lot of people in this hunt. Um, it's kind of hard to deny James Franklin's success at this point. I mean, if you can win that win at Vanderbilt, um, you know, that says a lot, right? Not many people have done it in the past. And then to go to Penn State and bring them back around into a, a, a contending-type program, um, I think James Franklin's definitely on a short list here. And, and if, you know, if they want the next Saban-type-esque guy, you know, kind of younger and that you can mold and grow with, um, that, that provides a lot of structure, um, that handles his defense himself schematically, um, who can recruit at a high level. Uh, Luke Fickle seems to be that guy. So I think those two are going to really be on a, on a short, short list. Um, I think Lane Kiffin, of course, will be as well. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to cross that track with, with some of the things of his past. You know, not, not nothing, you know, outrageous, but – uh, when you're coming off of Les Miles and, and Ed Orgeron, some of the PR nightmares that are associated with those two 10 years, I, I don't know if they'll want to take that leap. And and I think Christian's thrown a, a good name in some conversations that could be a dark horse here and Matt Rule uh, as a possibility. I think if if Carolina doesn't make the playoffs, I think, um, you know, he finds himself on a hot seat. I think he could become a, a name. And, and Vance Joseph, former D- Denver um Mm-hmm. Broncos head coach, one of the great defensive coordinators. I think you know of him well, Herb. Um, that's a name that doesn't get much mentioned. But if we're talking about Mel Tucker's and Dave Aranda's and and defensive coaches that uh, that know the region and so on, I mean, it just that one, that one makes a lot of sense to me as well. So another dark horse for you to to kind of marinate on. Like it, Herb, I like it, Jimmy. Right. Thank you. <laughs> I'll explain my I'll explain my Matt rule and why why Jimmy brought it up. He did a little bit in terms of the hot seat, but if I'm Scott Woodward, I at least I think I think you're responsible. You, you would be irresponsible for not exploring all options, right? I think you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Even right down to coaches at big time programs uh, that you would explore. But for me, Matt Rule, all right, maybe he's disenchanted with the NFL. We don't know that. Maybe he's he doesn't like the NFL style, right? Or doesn't like what you have, what, what head coaches can and cannot do at the at the uh, NFL level compared to the collegiate level, and I explore that. Hey Matt, how, how, how happy are you? Because we know that guy can coach at the college level. 
he can coach at the NFL level. But what he did at Baylor, he was an overtime away from a playoff berth at Baylor against Oklahoma. So, I mean, he can absolutely coach. Uh, so I explore that if I'm Scott Wood. What does it hurt you? It, it doesn't cost you anything to call him and say, hey, you interested at all? Would this be uh, intriguing to you in any way, shape, or form? Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Matt Rule's going to stay in Carolina. I think he has the NFL pedigree, and I think he's going to ultimately have success in Carolina. Uh, but I would, I would explore it. Uh, I, I just, I find it, I find it uh, something that you go, let me, let me kick the tires. What, what, what good or what, what, what does it hurt you? A name that Herb and, and, and Jimmy that I hear that I just immediately just want to vomit on, honestly, is Dabo Sweeney coming here. Dabo's not leaving Clemson, for one. And if he does, he's going to Alabama when Nick Saban retires. Yeah. I'm, I'm in so agreement with you there. Him you know, yeah, I mean, why would you hire him if you know he's going to Alabama when, whenever Nick goes? Yeah, and I don't think LSU could survive that, to be honest, right? Um, you turn the tide with Dabo Sweeney, big hire, big splash, you find some success, and then all of a sudden he leaves and vaults for Alabama. And if, not, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he a walk-on at Alabama? I think there's a lot of ties there. Might even be yes. a Tuscaloosa kid. So, so I mean, that just seems inevitable. And and uh, honestly, with the culture shock that she's gone through, I mean, let's let's be honest with this program, with the some of the older coaches in there and the disconnect with the players and then the issues last year with the march and so on, I don't know if Dabo's the right fit right now. You know, I think he yeah, needs right, someone right. that the players can really connect with and, yeah. and build relationships with because there's really been a disconnect between the players and coaches. And if you ignore that going into this hire and don't get one of these coaches – that kids can love and feel close to, um, you know, you could find some difficulty. And, and Dabo at times has an issue connecting with some of his players. His staff's filled with guys that, that are able to do that and kind of fill some of those gaps. But Dabo himself um, is known for having a disconnect with some of his players. So I just don't know if that's the right culture fit right now with, with where LSU stands as a program. That's a great point. Um, yep. I think that's partly where Coach O – uh, started to unravel too was you know like it or like it or dislike it the the political climate in this country is what it is and you need to have somebody in there that uh, can navigate and have to have tough conversations some conversations that might be uncomfortable to a degree and I don't think coach O that's his forte so to speak but yeah I think that's a great point I think Scott Woodward has to consider that in making his next hires how how well how good of a communicator is that next head coach going to be? Because I just wonder how good Coach O was. Was he good enough in this in this in these circumstances? And not too many are. It's a it's a you know certainly a, a tough tough spot to be in. I get it. Um, well, well, I think I, I think I that Scott I think Scott has a real good pulse on literally everything that's going on, and you can tell that by his like you said by his um, girls basketball uh, head coach hire the, the the baseball head coach hire. I mean, he knows and has a good feel of what needs to happen and who he needs to bring in in order to, I guess, make the culture become what it's supposed to be and to be successful. And I think that he's at a point where he is definitely taking all those different things in consideration. And I think that's also one of the reasons why he wanted to, you know, to piggyback on what Jimmy was saying earlier about, you know, let's let's make this known now what the direction is that we're going to go in and then while he's, you know, in the background searching for the guy, the next guy, and that kind of stuff, I'm sure Scott's probably having some conversations with some of the players. So 
you know, where do we lose you guys? Where do we disconnect that? What point was it for you? You know, how can we change that moving forward? And, you know, what do you think about this? And I think the guys and the names that's been thrown out there, your Luke Fickles, your Mel Tucker, um, uh, your James Franklin, those guys, I think all of those guys, including some of the surprise dog horses you mentioned, Jimmy, all also have a, a pulse on the the culture, the political culture, every little thing that we got going on here in the United States. Um, but I also think they can bring guys together and they can create a, a great environment for everyone to be to feel welcome and everyone to be successful. So I really do appreciate the list that you threw out there just now, Jimmy. I appreciate that. I think it's great. Absolutely. dot com. Jimmy, thanks, man. What's on the site before you run? Yeah, oh, a lot of coaching stuff, right? Diving into it. I'm about to unveil what I think are the, the leader of the pack, the pack and the dark horse. So uh, digging deep for this Tiger coaching search that should run us all the way to possibly December and beyond. Yeah, and uh, we got a game today. We didn't we didn't even talk about a matchup between <laughs> Ole Miss and LSU, not one with Jimmy Smith. Jimmy, thanks, man. All right, guys, take care. All right. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on the home of the Fighting Tigers, WWL. Right to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text lines, we find Jim. Jim, what's going on? How, how are you? You're on WWL. Hey, Christian, it's Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy right, and Jimmy. Gretna. Hey, man, I'm watching Cincinnati, watching Cincinnati right now. Luke Fickle struggling against Navy. Uh, uh, upset alert. I'm not sold on him, man. I, I like the idea of Mel Tucker. I like him. Um, that's my vote. Uh, my question is this, Christian, as far as Ed Ogeron's concerned, you know, we saw what happened with Darius Geis and the investigation and how there was some misconduct off the field. Wait, Wait Jimmy, hold up for this? a second. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up for a second. Upset alert, they just started the second quarter, and the game's 10-7. to 7. The score's 10-7, to 7, Navy's up. And they run that triple option. It takes teams a little bit to adjust to see that before they get a handle on it. I'm not worried about the Bearcats, but go ahead. I, I'm no, I know you're not a Tulane guy, but Cincinnati's coming to New Orleans next uh, Saturday morning. Uh-huh. So your boy Luke Fickle, you can go interview him close up at Yeoman. But uh, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> no, look, hey, it, okay, so I'm an Ed Ogeron guy. I'm a fan of his. I think he's leaving this program better than when Les Miles left. I think we kept Les Miles a few years too many, in my opinion. The writing was on the wall. I know that obviously there's something more to this. Ed Ogeron situation. Now, I know he's, um, you know, the record nine and eight since the title and all that. I get that. I got to give him a little bit of a mulligan with COVID and all that. But it, my point with Darius Geis and all that was: there, is there more players that have more off the field issues, more more issues that cause this transgression with Ogeron? They're with it, they're paying him out to leave uh, more so than the wins and losses, more so than. Uh, other factors like him taking pictures with all these young women and all the rumors. Now, of course, the rumors are debunked now from the players that girlfriends, kids weren't at practice. But uh, I guess my, in general, my question, Christian, is is there going to be a long-term issue with, um, you know, mis- misconduct off the field from players that might haunt the um, program long-term, and that's why they terminated him or got rid of him? more so than anything else, like wins and losses and the, the pictures with the young women. Well, you cannot deny that Coach O is named in a Title IX lawsuit, all right, involving Darius Geis. I don't know about other players. There's alleged 
and other lawsuits that other players also had engaged in some misconduct uh, while at LSU, some under the Les Miles regime and uh, maybe one or two under Coach O. I don't know all the details. I know that he's named in the Title IX lawsuit that I think now, because he's going to be a former employee, I think this is key, Herb and, and Jimmy, now that he'll be a former employee, I don't know that he'll have to testify in that Title IX hearing. And that, I think, saves the, the, the school and him. And I also believe, you better believe this is a factor. He got that buyout because he's got dirt that nobody, that LSU doesn't want to get out. You might Jimmy, be right about I that, Chris. question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, look, I know that, I know how settlements go. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show here on WWL. Nice touch by Lane Kiffin having the grounds crew right manning in each end zone. Double nice meaning because they're retiring Eli Manning's jersey at halftime, but also Arch Manning yep, making his yep. visit to Ole Miss. That's right. Herb, uh, that, that was strategic, no doubt about it, from Lane Kiffin. From Lane Kiffin, everybody at Ole Miss, it, look, they're, they're making a push. For Arch, and if they land Arch, I think he can do some very special things at Ole Miss. I think Lane Kiffin is 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 really coming into his his own over there at Ole Miss, and he, you know he's one of those guys that just makes you just just ha- he had it looks like he has so much fun doing what he loves, right? And I enjoy seeing that, especially if you're if you're a skill player playing in that offense, and he's setting you up for success. Half yeah. hour to go, Carl. Sit tight. I'm gonna carry you over into next hour. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Christian Garrick. This is WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 